0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 102 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where I, Tim Birkbeck, speak to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. I uh, hope everyone's well. hope everyone had a great week. Um, I seem to be saying this more and more uh, every week now, but just a massive thank you to everyone that checked out and listened to last week's episode with uh, Isaac from Punch On. Um, yeah, it was a really cool reaction. As I said in that episode, he's got a really cool story. And I think a lot of people from the feedback that I was got given were were quite interested in that as well, which was, was rad. Um, I have a feeling that this week's guest might have brought a lot of new listeners to the show. So welcome one and all. Um, if this is your first time listening, please go back and check out some of the former guests that we've had. Um, and subscribe to this wherever you're listening to. We've got some rad guests planned for the future not going to give too much away uh but a mixture of uk and us talents within that um so yeah please subscribe rate review wherever you're listening to this on your chosen podcast, podcast podcast platform um just going to give everyone a little catch up with my week and my world uh had a really cool weekend just gone uh was out with uh, Svalbard and Morrow on their two little shows that they did over the weekend um, first and foremost it was really nice to just see see some friends that I hadn't seen in a while um, and some that I'd seen quite recently but yeah just really nice to catch up with, with mates but also just to see two shows that were purely UK bands having such good attendance and such good reactions was was kind of heartwarming and to see farbad in particular kind of getting a huge recognition that they thoroughly deserve um, was kind of a proud moment for me and I've worked out, well thanks to Facebook, worked out that uh, it's actually been six years since I've known those, those guys so yeah it's, it's pretty cool to see where they're at now. Um, also just in this coming weekend uh, going to be at Dreadfest in Leeds. So if any listeners are there, want to say hi, just give us a high five or anything. But yeah, going to be a weekend full of grindcore, which should be really fun. Um, not going to dwell too long on this intro because this week's episode is a corker. Um, this week I am joined by one of the founding members and guitarist of Hope's Fall, uh, Josh Brigham. Um, we talk about Josh's uh, Christian upbringing and how that kind of influenced things in the early days of Hope's Fall how uh working at a pizza place allowed him to sort of go to shows uh also obviously about the breakup of the band how the band got back together and also how hum uh the band hum have been a constant throughout sort of the life of, of Hopeful, and have almost kind of been a glue that's kind of stuck them together so yeah this really cool in-depth interesting chat with josh i really appreciate him taking quite a long time to to have a chat with me um this was recorded earlier in the year i just haven't had a chance to put this episode out so there might be a few sort of date things out uh, but i think most of it's quite quite on point but anyway yeah i'm gonna shut up i'm gonna let this go on please sit back enjoy my chat with josh and i'll see you on the other side Uh, joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is one of the founding members and guitarist of post-hardcore, hardcore, whatever you want to call them, band, uh, Hopesful, uh, Josh Brigham. Josh, thank you very much for, for taking time out of your day to have a little chat with me. Uh, how's everything stateside?
1: Everything is, uh, you know, uh, tumultuous and <laughs> crazy over here. The government doesn't work. I don't know if you've heard about that. No,
0: but, yeah. Uh, we're in the <laughs> same boat as well, so don't worry about that.
1: Yeah, no, but um, you know, today was a sunny day in my neck of the woods, which is Charlotte, North Carolina. So, uh, yeah, no, nothing to complain about, really. Uh, <laughs> you know, looking forward to getting online and, and, and chatting with you today.
0: Well, so, uh, as mentioned, very privileged that you've you've installed Skype, especially for for this call as well.
1: <laughs> it was a great excuse to install Skype. You know, now I'm gonna I gotta find more friends on here. <laughs> yeah.
2: okay. well,
0: well, as I mentioned briefly just before I hit the, the record button, the show is called Just an Insight, so I like to take my guests back to to their origin story, so to say. So uh, what kind of got you into alternative music to start with then, Josh?
1: Well, I can, I can, um, I can focus back to uh, a, a single relationship with the other guitar player uh, that I started Hope's Fall with, Ryan Parrish. Right. We Ann met when we were nine years old. Um, and we were in the same youth group at church, like we okay. went to, uh, you know, like a Southern Baptist, um, church and we were, we kind of felt like oddballs in that group. So we gravitated towards one another. Right. And, um, and when we would go on like youth trips, you know, like our parents would send us to camp. <laughs> yeah. Before.
3: Yeah.
1: And we would always sit next to each other on the bus and he would have his book of CDs and we would get like a one of those you know like little jack inputs that so two people can listen on the yeah street. yeah and we would just listen to music for hours and um you know so he would be the one showing me all these bands uh and um because I wasn't allowed to listen to rock music okay you know it was one of those kind of things but he was so it was cool so <laughs> yeah. my you know he was like my partner in crime and um, but I can I can tell you I have extremely vivid memories of just long drives where we would barely speak to one another <laughs> but we'd be totally right in the same way yeah you know, so, for six seven hours just listening to CDs and
2: and and, and listening to music and, and stuff like that but uh,
1: so those are that you know I always had my parents had music in the house when I was younger. And I remember, you know, uh, my dad having a record collection and them playing like Peter, Paul and Mary and
3: Gold Jackson and Genesis and all this stuff.
1: But then when they discovered religion, uh, it changed, right? you know, and and then music was that kind of music was largely out. Uh, and then, so I listened to Christian music, um, but then I had my buddy Ryan to kind of shepherd me along the path. <laughs> yeah. uh you know, introduce me to, to good rock and roll and and things of that nature.
0: So what what kind of bands was, was Ryan introducing you to then?
1: So I, I really remember, you know, it was right as as like the the grunge rock, you know, thing was taking over. I can remember going over to a friend's house and seeing Nirvana Smells Like Team Spirit music video, like okay. right after vanilla ice you know was awesome.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. and me just being like oh that's cool and I <laughs> also remember um enjoy the silence um Depeche Mode yeah I
3: remember
1: that video um you know when I would go to the other people's houses and watch it and just be like well that's cool um and then and the good thing was that Ryan would have all of this music and he would show it to me
2: or we would listen together yeah I mean, it was right then at that beginning of the uh, of, of the grunge rock thing. I kind
1: of missed the hair, you know, the late 80s hair rock. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm I to think back to some, like, early mixtapes that he'd made me. And there was, there was Pearl Jam. There was. Do you remember Big Audio Dynamite?
3: Yeah, weirdly. Like,
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. What was it for the guy from The Clash?
2: Yeah! And, oh yeah! Yeah
1: yeah! Yeah yeah! If I had a time again, <laughs> you know that. And uh, and what else was on there? I mean, we were just you know we were just turning like 10, 11 years old, twelve years old, and just discovering stuff. So I mean, I was I was wide open because it was cool because I wasn't allowed to listen to any of it. Yeah. So all of it was cool. <laughs> you know, it was my little contraband. I hear yeah. my ears.
0: So when you say like obviously that it was something that you weren't less allowed to listen to, was it kind of something that you had to keep a secret from from your parents?
1: Yes, very much so. Except for the Beatles, because my mom was a huge Beatles fan. Okay, she could never give that up. <laughs> and so I did. I did have like Beetle a lot of Beatles in the background, which which is good, which is a good thing. You yeah. Know? So. Um, but then I remember Ryan got a guitar. Uh, I think maybe he was 14 and, and then I was like, well, I want a guitar. And, and so then my mom got me an acoustic guitar and we went to take lessons at the same music shop. Right. Okay. From the same guy. This guy named Keith, who was like a total hippie, <laughs> a shredder. And, basically i would just go in there and he'd be like well what do you want to learn and i knew beatles so i was like i want to learn these beatles songs you know so he would teach me beatles songs yeah you know and, and and after that i didn't really stick much with lessons you know i got like enough to to kind of like mess around yeah up.
0: yeah you kind of learn the basics sort of thing
1: yeah yeah and then and, and then i just you know then I, we just started like playing i would play on my own at the house and you know, you know, Ryan would show me other things, um, but then I can say when I really, like, really got into it, and I think I might have been telling this story a little out of order. When Siamese Dream came out, I think that was '93. Mm. Um, like hearing that, I was just like, "Oh man!" Like that, this is. Really, exceptionally cool. I'm <laughs> yeah. of this, and then you, and then a couple of years later, I think it was '95. Hum's "You'd Prefer an Astronaut" came out. Yeah, and those two records basically shaped my idea of what was cool. Yeah, and 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 to this day, those are still two of my top five favorite records.
0: That's cool. Yeah. So then, in terms of kind of. not not sort of like outing you kind of thing but like obviously your parents discovering that you were into like heavy rock and stuff like what was their kind of reaction considering it was something that you were not allowed to have in the house sort of thing
1: it was you know they weren't into it but fortunately we discovered tooth and nail records and solid state records right okay shortly after that and this and and it was actually okay. Well, this is a Christian. Yeah, music yeah. And there were good bands, like and 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 so really, we kind of channeled everything into that, you know. Or at least I did. I was like, Mom, look, I can get this at the Christian bookstore. <laughs>
2: and so that kind of that kind of was like a blanket, like cover yeah. for a lot of things, you know.
1: So at that point, you know, now I'm starting to get into, an, you know, become an older teenager. And, and I'm, you know, even though we have these, you know, my parents are firmly against, you know, my, like these bands that I'm listening to, they think it's corrupting the youth and, and this and that and the other, you know, but now I've got a job and I've got a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not there like I'm a pizza delivery guy. So I'm just listening to whatever I want.
3: Yeah. And at that
1: point it was a, it was a solid mix of, all things grunge, um, and then, you know, kind of like the early Victory Records catalogue, um, Big Tooth and Nail. Um, th- those those catalogues were, were, were huge yeah. for me uh, at that age.
0: So, because the, the other thing that I always like to sort of ask about sort of uh, musical inception, so to say, is kind of uh, a live experience. So it kind of sounds like you're sort of world of getting into music was is quite different to a lot of people so what was your kind of exposure into seeing live music like
1: well i'm trying to think back some of the first shows i really got into i can remember uh so i think it was 96 um i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it was 96 when the uh, melancholy and the infinite
3: sadness yeah not from the pumpkins and
1: I worked at a pizza place that had an outlet at the at the stadium where the Charlotte Hornets played at the time. Right. Okay. And I told my parents that I had to work that night, and so I did. <laughs> I worked early, but I had arranged with the manager to just work at the beginning of the show, you know, to help get all the pizzas made, and then once the show started, I could go watch the bands. And yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing. Fountains of Wayne and the Smashing
2: Pumpkins on the uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness Tour and
1: just being blown away and the pumpkins played for like three hours and it was just just massive um and I can also remember uh seeing Weezer uh on the Pinkerton Tour oh
0: awesome
1: at this venue in Charlotte called the Tremont Music Hall that is no longer there um and uh but that was that was one of the early shows i was kind of a you know late bloomer as far as going to shows you know it's like i didn't have like an older brother to take me yeah yeah so, so like a lot of people are like well my brother was into metal and i got <laughs> into it
0: yeah that's and, my story
1: <laughs> yeah like it was really more you know my friends at youth group had access to music therefore i had access to music and but I remember I was always the kid that worked a lot. Like I always wanted to have a job. Right, okay. And always had a job. And so however I could make it work with my job schedule I'd be like, I've gotta work, you know? And it was believable because I was working at a pizza place and so we would work till midnight. We'd work till one AM. Yeah. You know? And so that's how I would get to go
2: to shows.
0: And, <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of you, you sort of playing guitar so you mentioned like obviously ryan got guitar so then you sort of picked up and started learning as well and in terms of kind of learning to play and going out and playing because i know obviously the story of you of hopes for sort of forming obviously kind of through the youth sort of ca- uh, school sort of system but were yeah. you were you sort of doing anything before that were you sort of like just having little jams or what is hopes for kind of the first quote unquote band that you were a part of?
1: No, no. So we had, uh, there was, there was, there was a couple other bands. So again, like going back to like the, the youth group thing, we had this, um, it was a a
2: Sunday service for like the teenagers. Right. And it was supposed to be hip and cool. And it was called (laughs) crossfire. And,
1: and, you know, they'd play, like, music, and... I, I, you know, I don't know. It's like it, marketing a, a faith product to teenagers. Right, okay,
3: right? yeah, yeah, I'm with you.
1: So, I... I, I you, you know, w- we were just excited that they wanted us to play music. So I can remember, like, one time, like... You know, they knew we were, like, the music kids. Yeah. They let us play. And we were like, we're gonna play Rocket by the Pumpkins.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. Like lyrics in it that we could be like oh yeah he says like kind of christian lyrics in these things you know and um and and so we would get together we'd play stuff like that and then another guy at the church named chris Kincaid, who was also in the band when we first started he was an excellent singer like he was actually in an r&b group oh wow and he could really sing and he still does to this day he's like a he works still in the in the in the, the faith community, um, uh, singing at churches and stuff like that nature, being a worship leader. Okay. But uh, we started a band with him, and it was called One Amazing Kid. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And and we would go over to his house like late at night, and again all under the you know I'm working late, and he would set up. I don't know. Like his parents had like six kids, and he was the youngest. Right. By the time they got to him, they just they just didn't care anymore. Like, <laughs> and so we would set up speakers all over this house and plug guitars in, and just have sessions where we were making just feedback, like delay pedals, reverb, and feedback, and just have multiple guitars going in all these different rooms all over the house, and we would just make these symphonies of feedback we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we just thought it was neat to make all these like whale call noises. And, um, you know, again, like kind of like ripping off some of the stuff that we'd heard. And, yeah. you know, Dream, you know, like in Silverfuck, you know, where they have this just massive swells and, of scraping noisy guitars where it's not like they're playing. They're just recording all this noise, but we loved it yeah and we just we would do stuff like that, and then eventually they let us like one amazing kid got to play a show at like the youth group camping trip right you know, like like over the summer um so I think that was the first time I ever played a show was 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 with that yeah yeah but then um but then when hope's fall came around, I guess well hope so it was kind of an interesting story so we, we had all these bands like we we're in high school and then ryan and i go to college and we go to different colleges right that are about two and a half hours apart or so. Oh, okay and through so through the first semester you know we were both enjoying our college experience and then in the second semester of our freshman year we were both like hey maybe we should Play music, and, and and we had this idea, and so we would drive home from college on the weekends and play with our friends that were still in youth group,
3: um, are still in, and still in high school back in Charlotte. Right. And then we were like, oh, we should, you know, we
1: should do this, and and, and so then we, we both transferred from our respective colleges back to UNCC, the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, so that we could be in the same place in okay B&B. that's cool yeah
0: so then obviously you've mentioned kind of the the bands you were sort of getting into was sort of more on the the kind of grunge sort of side side of things when you were younger and I, obviously there are elements of that in in the early hopeful stuff but obviously it's a lot kind of heavier so where did the the sort of influences and sound from the early kind of hopeful stuff come from
1: you know, we loved these alt-rock bands. But, I mean, I feel like we were attracted to, like, my favorite ones, if I, if I list them off, like The Pumpkins, the Hum, Rage Against the Machine, uh, Dinosaur Jr., Yeah, Helmet. You know, a lot of it was really riffy music. Yeah. You know? It wasn't <clears throat> metal, but it was riffy, you know? And then... You know, we, we go over to the Tooth and Nail catalog and you've got Strongarm and Focal Point and Zeo and Victory Records Earth Crisis and Snapcase. And, you know, we just kind of, I kind of skipped punk rock. Like, I did like some punk rock bands and I thought it was fun, but it was like, it's not what I wanted to play.
3: Yeah. You know, I liked... I, I just remember, like, if you could t-
1: take Shy Snapcase, Strong Arm, Zayo, and then mix
3: it with Hum and the Pumpkins, <laughs> yeah. and
1: Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine, that's kind of where we were coming from.
0: Yeah, no, I can, I can totally see that. <laughs> and,
1: and, 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 and the other thing was, is like, you know, our first go round when we were playing One Amazing Kid, I mean, we definitely just
2: wanted to be in Hum. Right, okay. <laughs> you know. But, you know, we weren't good enough
1: songwriters. And, you know, we were teenagers. We didn't know. And um, and then we wanted to play shows. We had this band. We were like, oh, we like this hardcore scene. And, and we know people in it. And we're like, well, let's be a hardcore band. But, like, our version of a hardcore yeah. band. Because it was like, well, that's how we'll get shows. That's how we'll be able to start playing with people, like, we were a part of this, you know, small movement here in the Charlotte suburbs, and it turns out that some of those bands are still around, like, Between the Barry to Me, you know, those guys used to be in this band called Prayer for Cleansing. Okay. Orbs Ball and Prayer for Cleansing played shows together a lot. Oh, okay. And, and, and that was really kind of the, the scene that we were in, and then it was, and, and North Carolina... In general, you know, unbeknownst to me, uh, until I started actively getting involved in playing music, did I realize it was like, oh, man, there's all these other awesome bands <laughs> Yeah. You know? And and then just, like, feeling kind of this, like, this, this brotherhood, you know, even though I didn't really know the people that well or something, they were my age and they were trying to do the same thing. And, you know... It, it was cool it yeah. was fun yeah
3: and
0: obviously in the kind of early inceptions of, of hopeful, you were a, sort of an outwardly sort of Christian band and things like that so I yes. know oh, we'll get onto it in a bit obviously sort of stepping away from that but in those early days did you kind of feel like being in that lane was going to be what supported you or could did it feel that there was sort of that was the thing that was holding you back at all
1: just i feel like you know when we started the you know we all grew up in these church in this church and you know everybody's got a different relationship with that now yeah um but it was something that we all firmly at that age did believe mm. um and that's what we were raised to believe you yeah. know I mean, the, you're talking about the american south uh you know extremely conservative place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, growing up in that and, you know, me thinking, you know, it was normal, you know, that, that, that this is just the way the world is. I didn't know anything else. I only know what I was told, you know, for up to a certain point. And, um, and that was just part of what we were doing. And we played things like Cornerstone Music Fest and that exposed us to you know a wider christian audience and it it got us on the radar of like takehold records and tooth and nail records and and these these things that we really looked up to and were like oh man that would just be you know that would just be the best thing ever if we were a tooth and nail recording artist and you know and, and and just not really thinking beyond anything but that
2: Yeah, you know we're 18 19 years old
1: being like oh man it would be really cool to be a part of something like this. Yeah. You know? And then to a small degree kind of happened, you know, we, 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 put out a record, eventually take hold, you know, put out our EP for knowings. And we were kind of in that scene. And then, you know, through the touring and, and being more a part of that scene, I can remember going to shows and it was like, you know, we play with, "Quote unquote," secular hardcore bands and Christian hardcore bands, and I remember thinking, "Well, these other bands that we're playing with are just as badass. Like I love the <laughs> yeah. music, right? Doesn't matter what they believe; they fucking rip." And I can remember kids going up to the merch tables and and like being like, "Hey, are you guys a Christian band?" We're like, "Yeah," and they'd buy our stuff, and they'd go to the band next to us. Like I can remember, like Eighteen Visions actually was one of these tours. Yeah. Like, oh, you're not a Christian band? Didn't matter that they liked it. Wouldn't buy it. And I was like, man, that's not, that's not cool.
0: Yeah, like, that's, that's weird. And,
1: you know, like, I, I and, and this is, you know, again, this is in the South. It, it just kind of was what it was. And um, I don't know, something about that I can remember from early on, like, kind of struck a
2: chord with me. It was like, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah, like, yeah. Like this band rips, what's the, what gives, you know?
1: And, you know, then the more I started getting out and kind of seeing the world and I got further along in my education and, you know, started having a lot of questions about everything that I had been told, well, this is the way the world is. This is why we believe what we believe. And this is why we're right. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up firmly Knowing one hundred percent without a doubt that I was right. <laughs> okay, yeah. right. Like that was instilled, like you're right, this is right, this is the way. Yeah. And that was imprinted and and, and 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 stamped into me and stamped into me. And, you know, and I'm not trying to knock that. I you know, I've gone on podcasts before, honestly, to talk about that past and you know, my sister heard it, my parents heard it, and they were really offended by what I had to say. Yeah. You know, because they're still very much, that's their life. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean to say it in such a sense as like, oh my God, it's such a bad thing. You know, it did give me a moral background, like a sense of right and wrong. It was just, and you know, it was just based on something
3: that always I was a little uncomfortable with, but I didn't know anything else. Yeah.
1: And then when I started getting a little bit older... And seeing the world a little bit differently, I, you know, I started backing away from that. Like, well, I, we're not right because of this. We're not We're not right because we're Americans. <laughs> yeah. Because we believe in Jesus, you know, like, you do the right thing because it's the right thing. But you don't have to be American and you don't have to believe in Jesus to do the right thing.
0: Yeah, no, no, I get that.
1: You know, and, and it, 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 it's, I don't know. I guess I'm a, a, a little ashamed that it took me such a long time to get there. But eventually, I did. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 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 wild, and it's something. And I I know every culture has it. And different different religions in different places in the world. I'm no different than, you know, some kid growing up in Pakistan being told, "Well, you gotta believe in Allah." Remember? Yeah,
3: yeah. It's <laughs> just
1: a thing... cultural thing, you know. It's it, the, the culture that matches the geography.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, like, the thing that, because I wanted to obviously touch upon, and you kind of brought it out there, but, like, the idea of sort of people who are of faith but were into kind of, like, the alternative sort of music, like, they would obviously gravitate towards, like, Christian bands and things. And right. you gave the example of kind of coming up to the merch stand and saying, oh, you're a Christian band, and then buying everything. So when Hopes Fall kind of made that conscious decision to sort of, detach themselves from the christian faith rock scenes so to say was it kind of a leap of faith from you guys because you you almost had sort of a foundation found fan base and you were kind of almost walking away from that
1: we we were and it was it was definitely a conscious decision like this isn't this doesn't represent what what we're trying to do anymore like like that label doesn't match the people that we are now. Yeah, it's the same name, but in my opinion, I was like, "Well, we're the ones that started the band, so we can do whatever we damn well please." Mm. Yeah, it's our band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's hard. you felt like you owned a piece of it, but you don't. I do, and this isn't what we are anymore. And it is one of the reasons we did sign with Trustkill. Yeah, with with the upside down crosses. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely weighed into it. We were walking away from that, and um, yeah, glad we did.
3: Yeah,
0: and for for me personally, my first exposure of of Hopeful was um, from No Wings to Speak Of, and I think that was the case for for a lot of people. Um, So did you kind of feel, was there a sense that when that, that record kind of came out, could you feel like Momentum was sort of, changing and the uh, the wheels were kind of turning within the band because I always find it interesting when a band has like a record that people were turned on to what it's like from the band perspective
1: well it was exciting you know because um all of a sudden we had, we we had more opportunities and the opportunities that we'd always hoped we were gonna get mm. you know to go to go and play shows in other States and other cities. And, you know, just, we just wanted to get out there and play, you know, we loved it. We, we were, we were definitely a live band Yeah. at that age, you know, like we just wanted to go rock and go get in front of people and be like, this is what we're doing. And that EP gave us a lot of opportunities. So it was very exciting. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, In retrospect, I look back on it now, and all I remember was, or all I all I think about when I think back to those times is the good times. Like, oh, we were kids and we were traveling around, and you know, it didn't matter. We're sleeping on floors, and didn't matter, you know. But there's the the other side of that is that you've got all these people that are just discovering who they are, trapped in a van
3: together,
1: (laughs) no money trying to figure out what the hell they're doing with their lives. Like it was, it was tumultuous as well. Yeah. So it was an exciting thing to be a part of, but at the same time it was, you know, extremely rocky emotionally and relationship wise. Like, you know, I I look back on it and, and, you know, every, every, every day everything that happened we thought it was so significant you know we didn't have any perspective yeah you know we didn't have the perspective of age yeah so like everything was dramatic (laughs) yeah i get that (laughs)
2: and
0: and you, you mentioned kind of obviously wanting to sort of go out and be be sort of in front of people and this is another thing that i always like to ask is kind of When you first sort of hit the road, like, did you kind of... I guess, again, it might be a bit unique from your perspective, obviously, having the kind of youth group sort of culture prior, but, like, when you first... I guess your first proper tour, so to say, did you have any expectations of what what you were getting into, or did you just kind of go along for the ride? Man, I I can remember that
1: the first, like proper tour we did was five days long. Right. And it was with Spitfire and eighteen visions. Okay, cool. And we thought we were the kings of the world. <laughs> like, we thought we were the shit. We were like, we've fucking arrived. Like we're playing to hundred and fifty kids in Nashville. hundred and forty kids in Memphis. Like they're loving it. You know, we're like, we're just We're freaking stoked, man. And we didn't know what to expect, but it was just like, we're on tour and that means something. And, you know, it just, it it felt special. Yeah. It it just, it felt like an amazing opportunity. And I I don't know, I, I can try to remember like 20 years ago, like before social media. Yeah. Before... My space and Instagram where like kids are it, before the internet re- really became what it is today. like I mean obviously mp3.com back in the day was huge for us when yeah. we got end of error on that and but sites like that and but I just I'd always wanted to see other places and never had the opportunity so the fact that I was gonna drive like 900 miles away from the <laughs> house my, like 19 years old i i was just like dude i'm like i'm like an explorer (laughs) this is a wild west you know like it was just like every mile you drove drove was a a new thing a new discovery that Mm. i'd never seen before and i was just like i just want to see more and more and more yeah And, and 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 travel honestly i credit touring uh if i hadn't had that i don't know how i would have seen the world
3: yeah no i I get i get that
1: i I just i don't know i don't know how i would have done it you know it's like i'm not that smart
0: um give give yourself some credit credit, josh
1: you know it's like what was what was going to be my avenue to take me out there i don't know yeah you know I'm, i'm so grateful for those experiences um I'm so grateful I got to travel all over and go to different continents and meet different people and find out that basically everybody's the same. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was. I don't know. I think that's the that's the best thing that ever happened to me.
0: No, I I totally agree because like I've I've had the pleasure of not not really sort of outside of Europe, but because of sort of going off touring with like friends' bands and things like that, like have been able to see like a large portion of mainland Europe. And as you mentioned, I don't think. I would have otherwise sort of thing. So I, t- I totally see where you're coming from.
1: Yeah. I, I felt I, I felt and still do feel privileged that that was my experience. Yeah. I grew up doing that. Um I, I I'm so grateful. I, I'm grateful to everybody that ever listened to our music that gave me that opportunity. That shit changed my life. Yeah. You know? And it changed me. It really did. Like interacting with the world and experiencing the world and seeing that the world is not what I thought it was. was, Yeah. was really good for me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was really good for me.
0: Oh, if we sort of move along the the timeline a little bit. So obviously I think the next kind of milestone for for a lot of people, well, fans-wise, was obviously satellite years. And I think still to this day a lot of people – kind of hold that as the sort of hallmark of of hope's fall and and i like was listening to it again recently it still holds up 16 years on it's still an absolute killer record and did you like when you were sort of again kind of from an inside point of view like when that record kind of came out did you kind of feel like this was not that like the moment sort of thing but like as i mentioned people still to this day like absolutely love that record and before you announced coming back and doing the new record like i think that was like the record that people would go to so did you was there a feeling when you were recording it that there was something special about this record
1: honestly no fair enough no we you know we we
2: didn't we we, obviously we we hoped that that people
1: were going to get into it but um you know those times like writing that album was hard but you know a lot of member i mean as i guess classic hopes fall like you know lots of member
2: changes and that the other and you know it was it was hard to get you know ahead of
1: steam going and i can remember some of those writing sessions just dragging on and it took us forever to put this record together and and we just it felt like it was never gonna happen you know and then we finally we got to the studio finally you know got in there with matt talbot and and which was a dream in and of itself
3: yeah to get to be
1: there with him and like our literally our musical hero <laughs> yeah um, and and to get in there and it was fun and it was working, but we, you know, we were having a lot of like interpersonal drama at the time. And, you know, so for as triumphant as it should have felt, y- you know, it also felt there, uh, there was also a lot of discord.
3: Yeah.
1: Round the process of making that record and then touring the record shortly thereafter, because we, you know, we went through another lineup change.
3: Yeah.
1: And, um, you know, and I can remember we recorded it, we mixed it, and I got it back, and I was like, this doesn't sound as. This doesn't sound how I thought it was going to sound in my head. Okay. And I don't know what I thought it was going to be. You know? Yeah. But it wasn't exactly what I wanted, but I was like, well, it's pretty cool. <laughs> like I, you know? But, you know, and now looking back on it, I'm like it was, I mean, 15, we had 15 days to track that thing. We, we went all day, all night, the whole time, just piling on and piling on and piling on. And we didn't even, it, it's almost like you're so busy putting it together.
3: Yeah. You
1: don't know what it's going to, what's going to come out the other end. You just hope it's good. Mm. And, you know, there's still parts of it that like, like, Oh, we should have mixed this a little differently, but you, you know, you'll always look back at it and, and think that, but, there was. I don't think there was any point ever that all of us sat down, looked at each other, and was like, "There it was, boys. <laughs> <laughs> this is space rock hardcore. This is this is canon, right? Yeah. we <laughs> <laughs> were like, I think it's neat. What do you think? I think it's pretty neat too. <laughs> and that's that's what we were just hoping for, you know.
0: But because I think the the reason, like, for me that that it kind of stands out. Because I think, obviously, at the time, there was obviously bands, like, as you mentioned, sort of 18 Visions, uh, sort of Between the Buried and Me, were kind of, sort of, just coming around then, Poison the well, But, Satellite Years, just, it kind of stood on its own, for me. And I think that's why a lot of people did gravitate towards it. So, was that a conscious, sort of, thing? Because I think there was that, kind of, whole metallic, sort of, edge to what bands were doing especially bands like 18 visions and and poison the well but you kind of kept more to the melodic side of hardcore so was that a conscious choice to sort of separate and differentiate differentiate I, yourselves
1: no um really and, and like we've had these discussions you know like over the years like you know what is it that you know people think separates you from the other people that can play just as well and have just as much knowledge of gear and tone and how to put things together. And it was like, you know, really when we would get down to write, And this is, this has always been the way you get in a room with some people and you just start hashing out riffs. Yeah. It's just about the energy. Like what flows from one part to the next and what feels good? If it doesn't feel good, it doesn't make the cut. It's like, if everybody's not excited about it, next.
2: Next yeah. idea. And that was really the
1: only, you know, I don't know, rule.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know what I mean? It's like, everybody's got to look each other in the eyes and be like, yeah, I'm excited about that. That's cool. Let's move forward from that. Yeah. Yeah. And if somebody wasn't on board, then it got scrapped. And I don't know what that is, but that was our process. It was our process on the most recent one as well. You know, it's just like, get a bunch of guys together. And and I've always had this kind of belief that like, you know, the sum is greater than the parts. Right. Yeah. Like get all these people together, you hash it out. And I mean, you're talking about hours and hours of, failed ideas <laughs> yeah. but when you when you stumble across that that moment where everybody knows
3: that's that's what you're going for yeah you know and i and i don't know writing is just that way and
1: i, I i've talked to other people um one of my friends that's a writer who, who like who you know who's a journalist and, and an aspiring writer and they're like yeah for every you know, hundred pages that I write, I have one usable page. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that's about the same process. I was like, for every 20 hours of practice, we'll get like a minute. Of a usable <laughs> page. You know, it's just, it's just sifting through it and having the patience. And it's like, if you trust the people you're creating with and you trust the process, mm. it's just about doing the work. Yeah. And just getting in there and putting one foot in front of the other and realizing that you're not gonna write a song every day and you might not write a song in three months' time yeah practice once a week you might you might come up with zero music for three months
3: but you just gotta keep doing it yeah and I don't know there there was
1: consciously we weren't I don't know setting a, a standard or, or or saying like this is actively what we're trying to do yeah other than saying like we're trying to write cool riffs and dark melodies with big spacey parts yeah you know? like you can say that but that's a pretty broad <laughs> yeah. statement you know that could that could take you a lot of different places right
3: yeah <laughs> yeah most definitely
1: yeah so you know, I mean, that was our process. There's no, there was no secret. Yeah. You know, but, just, this is what came out the other end. Yeah. Those people, when this group of people got together to try to hash it out.
0: But then kind of on the on the flip side, like, because I think from a fan perspective, I will always kind of look back on that, that sort of era of music very fondly because it was obviously what kind of got me into music, like that sort of what When sort of like yourselves, Poison the Well, Thrice, Thursday, Bleeding Through were all kind of the pinnacle of that kind of music scene. Right. So to be part of that, was it also like beneficial because there were so many great bands that you were able to, one, sort of go, as you said said earlier, go off and explore the world, but also use that to kind of influence you and and uh, uh, inspire you as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I can look back at like the, like I look, sometimes I look at my old like tour badges yeah. that I had, you know, of all the different tours. And it's like every time I die and co-eating and Cambria and like Shia Lude and just bands that I love.
3: Yeah. You
1: know, bands I still love.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, I'm just like, man, that was just crazy to, 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 to think that we got to be a part of that, you know? Um, Because, I don't know, I look at myself, I'm like, well, I'm a worker.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's it's almost like the band has been an identity, you know, for a big part of my life. But at the same time, I feel like I never really paid my bills doing the band. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I was like, yeah, I play in a band, but when I get home from being in a band, I deliver pizza.
3: Yeah, yeah. I do this, you know, and I do these
1: other things, so you know it was inspiring to get to be a part of it it was also frustrating to see like people really like not frustrating like in the sense that you don't want these people to take off but when you're on the other side of it and you see how much money there is to be made and you know what like you know there's a big difference between satellite years and second stage tur- turbine blade yeah like, yeah we on that tour when
2: it started happening for Coheed. Yeah. And it's like a thousand people there that night. And,
1: you know, people are just throwing money at them, you know? And it's like, you're on the other side of that and you're like, good, good for them, good for them. And you're like, well, God, I hope that
3: happens to <laughs> Yeah, You know? if you're, you're still like, you know, years later,
2: all these tours, you've been, you've circled the world and you're like, yeah, what are
0: you doing when you go home? Yeah, delivering pizza. Seven nights a week. And you mentioned there, obviously, like the band kind of being a bit of an identity. And obviously, you also mentioned the numerous lineup changes that Hostos have, but you've kind of been the steady rock throughout kind of thing. So, has that kind of been a bit of a weird experience for you that no matter what the iteration, you're kind of like the the keystone that's holding everything together almost.
1: I, I, it, it is an odd thing because all of my friends and still these the people that are, you know, some of my closest friends are these guys that you know, multiple different members in the band that were in the band at different times and stuff like that's still my friend group. Yeah. That's still my social circle. Um but I would always look at it like, well, whoever was in the band at the time, you know, like this is this is the torch we're carrying. We're just trying to move the ball forward. Yeah. And each iteration had its own meaning and identity. And to me, and I guess it, it, it's easier for me to say because I was there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So like it, it, I guess it's just easy for me to 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 section it off. Yeah. You know, I was never. I don't know, on the outside looking in type of thing. Yeah. But I talked to some of my other friends about it that, that we're in and then we're out, you know, and they're like, yeah, it's just, it's a weird thing to have it live on without you. Or, you know, like this thing that you worked so hard for and put all your blood, sweat and tears into and then and it just exists without you. Yeah, You know, and I, I mean, I guess when, when the, fan, the band
3: finally did break up, it was an odd feeling. Um, because your identity is gone. Yeah. You know? And even
2: though, you know, I'm sitting like, well, I'm a pizza delivery
1: guy, and I work <laughs> yeah. at, it's, it's in that place, it's like, yeah, well, the thing you were most passionate about is now no longer relevant. Yeah. So that was a, that was a, I don't know. It was tough. Yeah. You had to refine yourself. Um, I don't know if I'm answering this question.
3: No, right no, 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 you definitely, <laughs> definitely
1: <are.
2: laughs>
1: Um... But yeah man i i don't know it, you know the band to me
2: it's never been about one person yeah it's always been about
1: a group of people trying to do something bigger than themselves mm. and capture a moment and just working hard towards that and that's always been my mentality towards it i am the least talented member of this band <laughs> and is and i'm quite all right with that yeah. like i I would want to be in a band, assemble. If I was the best person in the band, it would be bad. Yeah. You know, it would be a bad band. But it's, I guess I've kind of always seen my role is like trying to get people
2: together. Yeah. Yeah. Together to move forward, to keep pushing.
3: And that is, I guess that's kind of always been, that's what I do. Yeah, And, and it just happens that hopes fall is, it, it,
1: it, you know once i joined it it's really I've, I've, I've messed around in a couple other bands but it's really the only thing that we've ever put music out as yeah so it's all i really know
0: and you've obviously you brought up the the kind of breakup or the initial breakup um and obviously like you've mentioned now everyone that's been in the band or is still in the band is kind of your friendship circle so that there's obviously kind of no sort of bad blood within that so was it just a case of the the timing wasn't right for hopes Fall? so it, it was that you've been doing this band for god knows how many years since sort of like the late, late 90s early 2000s that
1: yeah we went hard at it for about nine years yeah
0: so was it just the, that time that you needed to kind of cool off almost
1: you know i think that time was good for me um uh, it was, it was good for me to pursue something else Because the band dominated my life yeah. It was like the, Basically the rule It, it was funny I, I remember like saying this To like people that were joining us Like you've gotta like hum And you've gotta <laughs> have nothing else to do with your life <laughs> Seriously Like this is what we're doing And if you've got something more important to do Then don't join this band Yeah, Because this is what we're fucking doing And Um you know, but that period afterwards was, was good for me. Like, you know, I, I guess I clung to the band. I was fearful of not having the band, fearful of losing that identity and that purpose. Cause I didn't know what else to be. Yeah. Cause, I, I, cause it, you know, I graduated college and then I just had a series of, you know, subsistence sort of jobs. You know, I never had a career or, or anything. And so when the band broke up, uh, I went backpacking through Europe by myself. I sold everything I owned. And I just spent like 65 days riding trains and going to hostels and just hanging out. And I spent all my money and I got back and I was like, all right, you know, it's time to start over. Like I got a job just working at a, you know, another pizza place. And eventually I started bartending there and eventually I like ended up meeting the guy that owns the company that I work for now. Okay. Um, I work in, a, in a, I sell beer for a living. Oh, awesome. Now. Um, but that process of, 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 like, losing your identity and then having to reform it, I'm grateful for that process now,
2: looking yeah. back at it.
1: You know? And now I can look at the band in, in, under different eyes. You know, before, I looked at it, and when I talk about it, I was like, it was a failure. Like, we failed. Yeah. We didn't sell out thousand cap rooms and make money and have this be our living. Yeah. You know? And I looked at that and I was like, well, that's a failure. And that's not a failure. Like, we got to tour all over the world with bands that we really like. That's a success. Most people would, people that are starting in bands would, 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 99% of people don't get to do that. that
0: Yeah, yeah,
3: definitely.
1: A band. And I couldn't see that. You know, all I could see was the, the limitations of it. And that was, um, so I had to learn that lesson. And I think that was a great lesson for me to learn. Cause now I can look back on it and I can look back on it more fondly. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and I'm much more grateful now. Yeah. And, and especially this time around with, with, with Arbiter, you know, it was, Hey, look, we're just going to make some music and put it out and, there's no pressure because it doesn't matter if no one likes it and no one listens to it. Like I've got a job, I've got a wife, like this is just a hobby.
3: Yeah. You know? And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm
1: grateful for that. Mm. You know, there's, you just, you get to write riffs with your friends and have fun and there's no real negative. Like no one's going to die. Nobody's going (laughs) to die pills you know like it's just like it's just fun yeah and 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 uh that's something that we missed for a long time it was the reason we started playing music to begin with yeah of course make cool noise and have fun with your friends
3: yeah it became
1: this machine (laughs) you know but now it's just like hey let's have some fun with our friends and make some noise and man this is cool like how, how lucky are we
3: yeah
0: so before you guys got back together were you personally were you doing anything musically or had you kind of detached yourself from from things completely
1: well for a period for a couple years i swore i would never play music again right i was like i'm fucking done with it it's time to redefine myself like i'm not going back (laughs) yeah you know and then you know a couple years after that Like, oh, you know, a couple of the guys that used to be in the band were like, hey, you want to come and just jam with us? I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then it was really just, and then uh, Dustin, who was the guitar player for A-Types, Arbiter, and Magnetic North, and Adam, the drummer, who was the original drummer, and then also on Arbiter. It was just the three of us, and we would get together and just write riffs for fun, and then we'd go bowling afterwards. Okay, cool. And, and, and that's how we started That's how Arbiter eventually came to be It wasn't going to be a Hope's Fall record, we thought we were going to call the band Arbiter Okay. And, but You know, we would send our the, the, the little demos we'd make to our old Producer And And be like, hey man, give us a sweet deal Let us come up for the weekend and record our, our, our Demos, like You know, just because we're buddies and stuff
3: Yeah, right? yeah I want to shop your record. And we're like, sure, dude, no one's going to care
2: what, whatever you want. Like, and
1: you know, eventually he put some things in motion, got us in touch with some people. And they're like, look, there's a demand for this stuff from this era. There's a resurgent for it. If you guys, you guys decide to call it hope's fall. Like you have carte blanche to do what you want creatively, whatever. We'll, we'll go resurrect the back catalog and reissue the vinyl. And, and this and that, and we're like, Oh shit, okay. <laughs> and it literally that's what happened. And it was it, it became hope's
2: fall. It was those, those same people,
1: but it was just and again, it was just that process. Just get in a room, start hashing out riff ideas. Yeah. You know? And it's just that's just what came out the other end of it.
0: And Something like obviously you've mentioned numerous times whilst we've been chatting there the love for for hum and I read somewhere that the sort of coming full circle almost were you at a hum show where the kind of final piece of the puzzle to bring hopes all back together was sort of put in place?
1: Yeah, that's uh because for you know we had all these riffs and stuff and it was just me and Dustin and Adam. And my wife was actually talking to Chad, right? He
3: was in the show too. We were, you know, we were all just like hanging out, drinking beers at the
1: bar, and chatting. And Liz is talking to to Chad. And he's like, "Oh man, I should play." And she told me that. And I was like, "Oh shit, man, you want to play?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, literally, but that's what it was. It was that night. And then so Chad joined the band, you know, again, and that was that.
0: <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of weird like that a band that you've all been so heavily influenced by have kind of been your your saving grace and sort of making as well it's quite interesting
1: it, it really is kind of fun that, that, that it came full circle in that respect and just completely fitting and appropriate and I remember that night we were so excited you know it was Failure and Hum two of our favourite bands and, you know, failure's playing second. They're headlining home plate first. So home plays. And then Matt comes out and we're all a little like we hadn't seen him in years. Yeah. And,
3: years.
1: and so it's like, I'm a little like, I don't want to like bother the guy. You know, yeah. like, hey, yeah. you remember me from 15
2: years yeah, ago? Yeah. <laughs> and he just, and like, so we ran into him and he was like, oh shit, dudes. Oh my God, you're all here let's get a drink. <laughs> it
1: was, it, you know, it was like, it was just so encouraging. And was like, man, it's great to see you guys. I'm so glad you're all still friends and you know, yada, yada, yada. And you know, we only got to see him for, I don't know, maybe five minutes or so. Yeah. But it was, it was special. And we were just like, holy shit, that guy remembers us. Like, you know, and, and, uh, it was great. Yeah. It was freaking great. You know? And I, I that night, you know, like, it all kind of came together, and uh, yeah, I just—I guess it's just a, that's a little golden piece of, of history for for our lives, <laughs> yeah. you know. So again, right place, right time. Feel privileged that it all came. And yeah. Came
0: together. And another thing you mentioned is obviously like the kind of discussion of when you were sort of touting the record that you were kind of told there. There's this kind of resurgence of of that kind of. Older sound, so to say, but for for me with with Arbiter, like it doesn't sound like a throwback record. It sounds like something that's really fresh and now, but is like obviously still has that hopeful sound. Whereas I think other bands who have kind of come back into the fray now have kind of changed up their sound a little bit. So was it something? Uh, I know you were saying with your writing process earlier, like, it's just sort of if it doesn't fit onto the next thing. But with this record, was it conscious to sort of stick to that method rather than trying to be something new?
1: No, that's it, it, the only way we know how to do it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. This is the only way I've ever <laughs> You know? It, it's just like, all right, does this feel right? Yeah. You know? Okay, let's not waste our time. There's got to be something we're all gonna like that's gonna feel right, and we'll know it when we find it. Yeah, we've just got to keep hammering away at it, and the song will present itself. And I mean, so if it has that hopes fall sound, it, it makes sense because it's the, it's essentially the same group of people doing the same thing. We're just older. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I,
2: I really, and, and I, I mean, that's it. That's yeah. It, that, there is no, you, you know, like, overarching theme
1: beyond the fact that we want the, we want it to be energetic. We yeah. want to feel it. And we want to write cool riffs and have, like, cool melodies and have it be dark and spacey. Yeah. <laughs> that's
3: it. And
0: in terms of kind of the, this new album because obviously it's the first album you've done in sort of 11 years sort of thing yeah. so the thing that I kind of wanted to, to pose and I'm probably completely wrong but was it completely fresh ideas or was there anything sort of lingering from all those years ago that has been bought into this record and refreshed almost
1: well um, I mean honestly we've been writing it for 8 years we just didn't know okay <laughs> you, you know like the, the the there was song all the songs on that record, and then another song that didn't end up making it onto the record were songs that we, me and Dustin and Adam, had started working on before we went to go bowling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was just what came out, and, and then I guess obviously having the name Hopesfall presented us the opportunity to make the music come alive yeah yeah you know we had the music but you know we were all like dude we're not doing hopes fall again like (laughs) that's in the past we really had to be convinced that it would be relevant yeah yeah we were not convinced (laughs) we were like dude i i don't know man like i don't want to embarrass myself like i don't want to dig that thing up and you know let's just let sleeping dogs lie yeah yeah people were like, no dude, there's, there, there, really is merit in doing this. You should do it. And, and we were unwilling for a long time. Yeah. We had to be convinced. And even when we said yes, we were second guessing ourselves. Yeah. We like, ah, I mean, I like, I like what we're doing musically, but I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. And, um, you know, so we'll fast forward to, you know, the record comes out and, and the response has been generally positive and, and And people, you know, came out to the shows and were just so gracious and, like,
2: you know, saying, like, oh, thank you for doing this. And we're like, uh, thank you for being, <laughs> like, had no
1: idea, you know. Like, everybody moved on with their life, you know. There, you know, there's <laughs> – there was nothing left. When it, when it all went down, it all went down pretty hard. Yeah. You know? And was in debt massively, like – I you know I lost personally. Lost, you know, I, I lost like 50, so much money. Yeah, at that you know, it just dug myself a hole. I was like, "There's, there's nothing here." But this has been a really nice second chance. Um, you know, it, it, kind of the theme being less is more. You know, we don't need to go out and tour and 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 try to be this rock band. We're You know, we're just a, a bunch of friends that like to play music you know
3: would like to keep playing music yeah
2: um just because it's fulfilling and satisfying it's that itch you gotta
1: scratch when you have that creative bug (laughs) whatever it is you know
0: so overall you were glad that you were convinced to to come back and do it then
1: i'm extremely grateful (laughs) i'm extremely grateful i have to apologize to Mike Watts and and, and, and the, the the people that had to have so many painful conversations with me <laughs> to to drag my ass along, but uh, thank you guys.
2: <laughs> well,
0: the other yeah. thing that I wanted to to touch upon is obviously with the new record being well coming out in two thousand eighteen when now two thousand nineteen, music is so easily accessible nowadays. And yeah. obviously there's people like myself who uh, familiar with the whole Back Castle but then there will be people the Arbiter is the first thing that they will ever have heard of from Hope's Fall yeah. so have you experienced people that that's the case and they've now gone back and listened to things like A-Types and, and Satellite Dreams like and things like that things.
1: just in like the comment sections on like Instagram and yeah. stuff I'm like a huge I'm not I don't have Facebook I've got Instagram you know but it's like I'll go and look at our comments and I follow the hopes fall hashtag. Yeah. Uh, so I can see, cause I'm just curious. I'm like, Holy crap. You know, like people care. About this thing. <laughs> and, uh, so it, it is interesting to see that there have been comments like, Oh, I'd never heard this before. And now I've found all this old music and I'm like, Oh man, that's fantastic. Like, thank you. They were just grateful for, you know, it's, it, it's, it's flattering that, i'm sitting in my boxers in my bedroom
3: yeah yeah
1: fucking around on guitar and then like people are like holy crap (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and like 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 enough to like say something about it yeah yeah. or or, like make a comment and be like yo thanks for doing this like that's it's incredibly validating and gratifying because it's like it's, it's just hard to divorce myself from my own opinion of myself and knowing my own life and like sitting around being like, Oh, I should be more creative. I should do more stuff. And you know, like the, the negative tape that sometimes plays in your head. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so it's, it's nice to be able to get some perspective and like some random dude will be like, man, I fucking love this song. Like, how do you play it? You know, and, like ask me to make a video of how to play them. Like, sure dude let me try to figure this thing back out <laughs> you, know, it's, you know it's just like yeah it's, 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 it's really nice it's really nice I'm, I'm very appreciative
0: and you mentioned obviously like now obviously things have, are very different in terms of kind of you're sort of you've put the fun back into the music I guess is the best way to, to kind of put it but obviously from a fan perspective there will be the calls for you to to do tours and things like that. Obviously, myself being the other side of the Atlantic, would love to see you come over here. So have have those discussions been had, or are you literally just taking it each step a a day sort of thing?
1: You you know, I'll only speak for myself on this. I can't speak for everybody in the band. Yeah. But I would love the opportunity,
2: if it was available, you know, the thing is, it's just like, you know, I will
1: be 40 years old this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I have a house and a wife and a job and it's like, how do you put it all together? So it's just, it's a lot to, it would have, things would have to line up perfectly, but you know, I got time. I'm in no hurry. I'm not going anywhere.
3: Yeah. You know, and, and you know, if the right
1: opportunity came together and it made sense and Nobody had to go into their pocket to do it. Then I would love to do it. Yeah. You know? Now, now realistically, is there... I mean, getting, you know, five people and a sound guy and equipment and all this stuff. To Europe, that's an expensive thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. Are we worth that? That is a very (laughs) valid question
0: i'm gonna say yes but
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, but you know what i mean on like a large scale level because it's like it's not gonna pay for itself
3: like somebody's
1: gonna have to shell out the money to do that sort of thing and 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 again going back to like hey this is just for this is for fun this is for a group of friends to have an outlet creatively and we don't even we don't even know what, what you know what's out there. I'm not saying no to anything. Like I've said no enough in the past. Like I've learned my lesson. Me saying like I'll never play music again. I'll never be in Hope's fall again. And now I'm eating my words less <laughs> you know? So I'm not saying no to anything.
3: Yeah. No that's like, fair enough.
1: Realistically is that a possibility? Is somebody's gonna have to somebody's gonna have to take a big leap of faith and and and, and, and really want it to happen to bankroll that sort of yeah, thing it's, yeah. it's an expensive endeavour <laughs> that just is what it is
0: fair enough you
1: um, know and, and so but hell man if there's somebody out there that's listening to this and they're like hey you know what fuck it I got I got enough money to do it hey get in touch with us <laughs> <laughs>
3: perfect that um, sounds
1: ridiculous
0: but you know no no no, no. it's fair, fair enough you've got to th- think of these things realistically Perfect. Right, Josh. I've nearly taken up way too much of your time, so I'm gonna finish off how we always finish off. So, uh, I like to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So, okay. what is your favourite hopeful song that you like to play live, and why?
1: The ones off A Types. Yeah. Um, that's my. That's one of my favourite songs we ever wrote. Um, I, I just I love the riffs. I, it's simple, and I, I love playing that the, the, the spacey outro on that. Yeah, to like fuck with our pedals and <laughs> yeah, just make all kinds of weird sounds. And it's just I I love playing that song. I, and and the whole memory behind it, like we wrote that song literally in like four hours. Oh wow! The day before we recorded it. Oh god, fucking hell. <laughs> like it came together. In a high pressure, tense scenario in the studio, but it worked. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was it was it was a it was one of those moments. Like we'd spent months and months and months, and we had eight songs written, and we needed ten. And it got to like literally the twenty fifth hour in the studio, and the producer was like, "You guys are staying awake all night, and you're writing two songs. (laughs) Like when I come back in the morning." be ready to record two more songs and like that is I, we were just like that's impossible
2: yeah but it, it happened like we wrote we wrote the ones and
1: we wrote breathe from coma that night
0: that's insane
1: in and there, so I, I but the ones is my favorite one that's yeah. like one of my favorite songs that we ever wrote cool. so that's that would that would be my answer
0: perfect brilliant josh yeah. thank you very much for your time i really appreciate it and I will keep my fingers crossed that you'll be over here at some point. <laughs> well, listen, man. Thank you very much. Like, thanks for you know
1: giving me an opportunity to share my story, and and uh, and, and thank you for listening to our music. You know, no. like, uh, yeah. Again, we are grateful.
0: Absolutely, so. my my pleasure, my friend. Yeah, man. No worries. Take easy.
1: All right, brother. Have a good night. Cheers. Bye. All right. Cheers. Bye.
0: so there we have it folks again a massive thank you to Josh for taking time out of his day to have a chat with me Um, my fingers are crossed very tightly that Hopesful will come over to the UK sometime in the near future Um, but as always if you do want to keep up to date with what Hopesful are doing then you can do so on all the various social media platforms there will be links in the description of this episode Um, I'm going to leave this outro short and sweet because I haven't got much more to say to be totally honest apart from thank you again everyone for joining me on the justin insight podcast and i will see you soon